Oh, do I have a story for you tonight, Ben Stein? I want to find out what happened in in Syria. We did an airstrike, right, Ben you know, Butcher? On, who, uh, on, Syria, yeah. on Syrian yeah, rebel, on, on we Iran. Did it on the UJA, then if we did it on some terrorist group. On, hey, Rock Breath, on Iraq, um, I, on, on Iran, Iran, um, Iran funded uh, soldiers and rebels. Sir, can we turn up the volume, please? You mean your volume you can't hear? I'm actually having a little trouble hearing too. I'm not sure what's going on. I think his volume's a little low, Judah. Maybe his mic, I'm not sure. Are you able to hear me okay, Ben Stein? Yeah, uh, yeah, but not great. It's it's okay, I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. Ben Boychuk, keep talking. Okay. Ben Boychuk. Well, wait a minute. Wait, I'm still confused. Is someone going to explain what happened in Syria? Yes, I'm, but we will, we will do it when the show starts. Yeah. You said it just started. Well, well we're, not, not, we're live mm -hmm. on YouTube. Hello, YouTube. Hello, YouTube. <laughs> yes, hello, everybody on YouTube. And I've learned that I have to say hello to everybody. That way the chat is able to start. Um, Oh, can't hey. hear you, Ken. Oh. You're muted. Can you hear me? I was just yes. breathing. I hear Ken. Good morning, gentlemen. I hear Ken. Good morning. That's very funny. I I, okay. Let's 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 start this off correctly. Ken, you look beautiful. Ben, you look divine. Ben Stein, everybody, you just all look perfect. I want to welcome everybody to the world according to America's humble servant, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, in our YouTube chat. Welcome, everybody that's commenting. And uh, we, we're, we are honored with all the downloads we've been getting on iTunes. Please don't forget to tell your friends, tell your enemies, steal their phones, like it, give great reviews. You're, it's amazingly appreciated. We're humbled by all the outpouring You're humble. of... You're humbled. Very humbled by the outpouring of downloads. Um, we're joined tonight by a couple of gr our regular contributors at, at this point, obviously. Um, but uh, first man up is head of the Media Action Network, um, former Fox big wig, um, a man I have great respect for. Um, but Ken, why don't you tell people quickly what Media Action Network is? Because it's so important. You know, we, we basically are creating a, a right-wing alternative to Media Matters. We are a place where people can do more than just bitch about the left-wing media, but actually can do something about it. So every day we send out a newsletter to our about 100,000 uh, 100, allies around the country to give them a way to kind of fight back. And whether that's standing in line and, and, uh, and complaining at Bed Bath & Beyond for zapping out the my pillows because uh, uh, the CEO had the temerity to back Donald Trump, uh, or whether that's you know going head to head with somebody at CNN, or whether it's trying to build up the right ecosphere and the, and the conservative media on the right, we're a place we can fight back. You sum it up perfectly well. And I, like I said to you, your mission statement is quite simple and understand, you can understand it. And I always say, if you can't understand that person's mission statement or a person's, you know, company's mission statement, stay away. And on that note, also with us tonight, we have managing editor of American Greatness, Ben Boychick. Welcome back, as always, Mr. Boychick. Many thanks for having me. 
You actually the mo- have the most Jewish last name of all of us on the show, but um, oh, I don't it, know about that. I don't think I don't know. It's a Ben because it's so Yiddish. Ben Ben it Stein. Is. It's very Yiddish. Boy chick. He's a good boy chick. You know, Stein um, is still pretty. Okay. Friedman's also very on that note, but um, Friedman, yeah. of course, this show wouldn't be complete without writer, economist, lawyer, husband, father, former shoe salesman, former uh, I've federal known trade commissioner. Six days, but I, I did love it. <laughs> <laughs> that shows commitment to, to selling shoes. Of course, we are joined tonight by America's humble servant, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. Thank you, sir. I didn't and right off the bat, I want to get into something that Ben has been writing about for 40 years. And I mean, Ben, you literally predicted the future. I want to throw this out at you, then at everybody. But there's two things that people, one book that people keep bringing up. It's 1984. People constantly are forgetting about Lord of the Flies. Um, but we'll get in that in a few. But Ben, you have continually spoken about this being uh, us becoming a race, a, a, a racialist, racialist nation, racialist, racialist, racialist nation, racialist. nation. Racialist. And uh, it's as a, I mean, you, your your prophecies have been coming true. Yes. Well, I notice uh, that. Uh, I, well, let me back up a little bit. When I was a little boy. Uh, I wrote a paper, it seems to be in eighth grade, about the what was then called the Union of South Africa and about the apartheid policies and about how uh, the country was divided up uh, into whites, people of Indian descent, and uh, people of African, black, uh, what was then called Negro. Of course, we would never, ever say that now, descent. Um, and uh, the top jobs went to the whites, even though there were very few of them. And then a large number of jobs went to East, people of East Indian heritage, very, very few of them. And then the most miserable jobs went to the, uh, what we would have then horribly and sickeningly called Negroes, Black Africans. And uh, so, uh, uh, and, and that, that was all blown away by, by the abolition of apartheid. Now we have apartheid in America, where the top jobs and the big jobs in both government and in private sector are being awarded on the basis of race, in which uh, it's, we have a, a, a roughly 13 and a half to 14 percent in this country African American, uh, and uh, they, uh, although of course 99 percent of them have never been to Africa, and uh, the other, uh, and, and they get all the, the plum jobs without having to have many other credentials besides being African American. Uh, then uh, the whites get uh, whatever's left over. I don't know how many people there are of East Indian heritage. Uh, Chinese, Asian, so forth. Uh, they don't, uh, I, I don't know what they get, but uh, they get to be rich and be surgeons and so forth. But the, but the plum jobs are given to African-Americans for the very simple reason that they are the bedrock of the Democrat party. And so that is called racialism. It's not racism. It, 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 I would call it racism, but it's, but it's more proper name, I think, uh, originated for South Africa is racialism. So I have a question. Why is it horrific to use? Why is the term Negro horrific? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know at all. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I know when I was a child, uh, which was a long time ago, I'm old. When I was a child, uh, most people in my school, which was a segregated school, uh, called black people by what is now called the N-word. I was very much opposed to that. And I used to say to these kids and to some of the teachers, 
how would you like it if they went around calling us wiggers? We wouldn't like it. So let's not use that phrase. And I got punched in the nose many times for saying that. Uh, but anyway, I still don't like that word. And uh, so, um, uh, but and somehow I think the word Negro, which is the word that Martin Luther King Jr. used, and he is the, certainly the greatest black person in the history of America, uh, was, uh, at least I think he was, uh, he, he used the term Negro. I, I, now that has become a verboten word. And if it's verboten, I don't want to use it. But Kenberg is up, brings up a great point because when I hear that word, I have in my mind, I think of Satchel Paige. I think of, I, I, I have this romantic rom, uh, ter, for that term with the Negro Leagues. And, um, but again, well, I, people I don't still am getting mail for uh, uh, solicitation, charitable solicitation for uh, a group uh, that is uh, my fundraiser for what they call Negro Colleges. And uh, I, I don't know, that might have stopped in the last couple of months, but uh, obviously that, if that has that word has been banned, it's an extreme. The ban is extremely recent. We also had the United Negro College Fund ads, right? That's, that's what I mean. yeah, a I mind is a terrible. I've been contributing to them since before any. Which it said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, what we right. saw is, and, is a group uh, of and, uh, people. That's, that's why they shouldn't be Democrats. But anyway, uh, so uh, anyway, I, I'm, you're not allowed to use that term. But uh, there's so there are so many things you're not allowed to do now. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. The Wall Street Journal had an incredibly powerful piece uh, mocking uh, something being done by the Coca-Cola company. And bear in mind, I am the world's champion lover of Diet Coke. Uh, but they had a piece about how the, the powers that be at Coca-Cola have circulated a memo telling people to be less white because white yeah. is somehow associated with dominance and condescension. and racism. Yeah, they're calling it Coca-Cola now. Um, uh, Ken, then Ben, Boychuk. Go ahead, Ken. No, I, I, I just found it interesting. Look, what we now call blacks have, have kind of renamed themselves every 30 years in America. I'll never forget being in, uh, in college, uh, uh, let's say early eighties. And I saw a, what back then we called a film strip of, uh, uh, of Bill Cosby pounding into kids he was very he was very strident for his for his race when he was when he was younger had the big afro and he was and he was telling this kid if they don't call you a negro you don't turn around oh and, that's and, very good that's very and, good and it that's was kind good. of interesting you know it went from whatever to colored to negro to african-american to black and it, and it kind of shifted around and i and i didn't I was never 100% sure why that was happening. I mean, but it was always like every 10 years, it's like you, you need to call this one group of people something different that they've now changed, uh, you know, changed, changed the marketing on. Yeah, it's changed it very strictly. I used to be a very, very frequent commentator, very, very frequent at CNBC and uh, very frequent talking about the stock market. And uh, uh, somebody planted a bug in my uh, makeup room and I was just referring to, as a matter of fact, the United Negro College Fund, and someone heard that, and I was fired from from, wow. from MSNBC forever for using it, in a, so, because I had been solicited by them. It's, it was incredible, but it happened. Good, they don't deserve you. Let's go to the guy with, next with the with the shaved head to talk about race. <laughs> ben, <laughs> ben, it's a little ben scraggly Boychuk. right now. It's a little ben scraggly Boychuk. right now. Um, I, I think the, the 
the terminology has evolved over time as as politics on race has evolved over time. And um, you skipped one, Canton, Afro-American briefly. I forgot, yeah, that. I forgot that. In the early 70s, I think, early to mid 70s. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that uh, it, it's, it's an odd thing, particularly for someone who's a generation Xer like me, um, who I, I came of age in the 1980s at a time when um, Martin Luther King Jr. was getting uh, a national holiday. And for those of us who grew up at that time, particularly, it may be particular to Southern California, I'm not sure, um, that we, we believed uh, the, the, the language and the rhetoric of, of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, from 1964, you know, the I Have a Dream speech. We didn't learn so much about what King was saying in 1968, which was much more radical, but much, the, the language- Much more radical. Much more radical. But, in, but the, 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 that speech of 1964 and-, and yeah, exactly six, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 63. Or 63, you're right, you're right. Yes, 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 yes. Um, uh, before my- I'm sorry for distracting you. I beg before your pardon. Before my time. the speech of 63 to his language in 68, I beg right. your and so, and, 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 um, and so we were taught that and we believed it and maybe naively, because I think in a lot of ways, um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. has kind of been sanitized for Americans. And well, this is actually a great can point, I, Ben Stein. And I, I respectfully point out, I spent a lot of time listening to Combat Ghosts. I'm probably the last person in America who doesn't download anything. Everything I get, I buy on compact disc. And my whole house is just absolutely overwhelmed with piles of compact discs. And a, many of them are spe speeches of Martin Luther King Jr. And I have listened to the speech he gave the night before he was murdered. And it is a very, very mild, loving speech. This was a man who, although definitely in the end of his life was turning towards Marxism, but he walked in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no doubt about that. And I and I, I, I will say over and over again, the man who walks in forgiveness is walking in the footsteps of God. And what I it, think Martin Luther King was doing that up until the night he got killed and uh, the night before he got killed. And uh, it's uh, the, the loss to the nation of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Wouldn't it be fair to say, Ben Stein, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be fair to say that that Americans would do well to um, just understand better the complicated legacy of Martin Luther King Jr.? I would I would say it would be uh, yes. It, there's no there's nothing more valuable than listening to the great words of Martin Luther King Jr. But I have the terrible terrible feeling that today's young African American black people don't know those words. I don't think they know those words. And uh, that's a real problem. And I'm quite sure that the uh, heads of the uh, Ivy League colleges and the prestige colleges and universities of America have no idea what Martin Luther King Jr. was saying. And I might add just on an extremely parochial note, Martin Luther King Jr. was a huge fan of Eretz Israel, that is to say of Israel, and uh, spoke for it all the time. Whereas today's African-American uh, freedom fighter, black leadership, 
are very often are very very anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian, and uh, somehow that that's very very different from what Dr. King wanted. Right. You actually are brought, just brought up a great point, and I want to get into that in the next segment. Uh, if you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Ben Stein. I want to thank everybody that's on the YouTube chat tonight. Remember to sign up for our newsletter, benstein.substack.com. Did I get it correctly, Ben Boychuk? Thank you. Yes, I did. And of course, download our podcast wherever you are in the world. We have people listening in Romania, people listening in Switzerland. Wait a minute. I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question. May I ask a question to you, Ken LaCourt, who are smiling so broadly, why was Romania, and don't you answer it, Ben Boychuk, because I know you know the answer. Why was Romania of incredible, fantastic significance in World War II? Don't answer, Ben Boychuk. I know you know the uh, answer. It was the Romanian Empire, and now you no. stumped me. Yeah, of course. Because Romania has the only significant amount of oil in Western Europe or Central Europe, and the Axis, namely the Fuhrer, depended on Romania for the great bulk of his oil. Hmm. And that is why it was of great significance. And when Romania dropped out of the war and uh, switched over to the Allied side, it was a catastrophe for the Nazis, thank God. Hmm. The More You Know with Ben Stein. Um, Ken, I'm just glad he didn't ask me that question. Um, I think Ben Boychuk might be glad too. Um, but getting back to it, welcome back to the world according to Ben Stein. Ben, you brought up a great point prior to this, and I want to get to everybody on this one. You brought up about we have. There's a lot of revisionist history, obviously, and there's a lot being there's a lot being taught incorrectly. But there's a lot of being taught incorrectly to the black community, and I I, I wonder if they have if they have the same if they've been taught about Jesse Owens. And uh, with that's the a very good question. That's a very, 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 very good question. Very, very good question. Very. <laughs> I wonder if they were have been taught how this great, great country uh, freed the slaves. It was not a servile insurrection. It was not by a group of black people rising up and fighting. It was by white people going off in droves to free the black man. Very large numbers of white people died to free the black man. That has never, that is never brought up when we discuss the racist history of the United States. And it is a racist history. But as my very smart uh, friend, Glenn Miller, who is also a uh, minister, said, when the Lord Jesus Christ was being crucified, he said, the debt has been paid in Greek. And uh, that by which he meant the debt that is owed to the Lord God for the sins of mankind has been paid by his crucifixion. And I think in large part, not entirely, by no means entirely, the debt of the incredible mistreatment of the black man in slavery was paid by the blood of the hundreds of hundreds of thousands of white men who died and were ma maimed in the war between the states. So Ken, it's a great point, he's been, Ben. He's so been Ken preaching it. Ben, I've heard more Christian preaching out of you in the last half hour than I've heard anywhere in the last two days. It's the I hour. It's the hour and I can preach it flat. It's the I think, hour. I think somebody power. converted you. Yeah. Hour of decision. I learned. I used to listen to that show from Bel Billy Graham, and I have in my room where I'm speaking to you. Jay, hey, hey, wake up, wake up, over there. wake up. Over there. <laughs> Go get that picture over there of my father with Billy Graham. Um, but I want to ask you guys both a question, both Ken and Ben Boychuk, uh, Ken and Ben. Um, Ken, you have a 28-year-old son. 
Do you think he knows who Jesse Owens is? Do you think he remembers, he knows the black power symbol from the, from the Mexico city games, I believe where it was, where it was, it was 68, it was 68, right? Owens, those, my dear friend, those, uh, that was, that no, was I'm like, talking about two separate yeah. events. No, yes, no, no, no. you are. I'm, I, I'm, I'm asking if, if they. Here is a picture. This incredibly handsome dude is my father, Herbert Stein, uh, with his friend, Billy Graham, and the recently departed George Schultz. So the people listening on the podcast, Ben put up a picture and showed a picture of his father with Billy Graham. And yes, I know they're two separate events, but they're two seminal events in Black history, I think, in uh, uh, the Mexico games and Jesse Owens. Do you think either of your kids was taught about, was taught that? I don't think I, I think my son might know about it. He knows a lot about sports. What about you, Ben Boychuk? Not a chance. I will ask my son. I'll call him after the show. I mean, more him. likely, I mean, Je- more likely, Jesse, more likely Jesse Owens, because that was that was a seminal event in world history. Uh, less so the 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 fists up in 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 Mexico City. And so, but getting back to getting back to this gender thing, getting back to hiring on all this stuff, this has actually been going on all this week, you know, Ben, where gender is, is it's, it's what Ken was referring to the other night on the show with this intersectionality. Um, You know, we're literally, you know, hiring people not on merit anymore. I mean, you know, we're hiring on race, we're hiring on gender we're hiring i mean it, it, it's it, ken lacord i mean when you were working well, I, at I fox think that I'm the, i think that i'm the goyam representative here <laughs> oh, wait a minute. no there's no jew wait, boy check i didn't know I, I heard it was the most jewish name i'd ever heard and yeah and yet and yet i'm i'm the guy remember was, we were talking last week i was the guy who was contemplating going into the monastery <sighs> oh that's true that's true yeah. we're still waiting to see the neck tattoos on you though <laughs> <laughs> never but, get, but getting back to it, I mean, it, 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 it's almost like if you woke up in these times, if you just woke up out of a coma and you saw what was going on, what they're fighting over in Congress these days, over, over, over uh, the, the guy that's going to be a hel- in charge of health of human services, pro partial birth abortion, them talking about gen- genital mutilation on the house, <laughs> in the he's house. About of, it's okay. He's talking, yeah, talking about okay. And he's from our beloved California. What a stone asshole he is. No, I mean, but in anybody's here's wildest dreams. I mean, how the hell did we get here? I mean, it, did, did we lose the university systems this greatly that this is They're gone. Isn't, They're oh, gone. Goodbye. Garnier. No, that I know. But like, 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 if you're like at home and you're like 30 years old, I mean, or whatever age, Ken LaCourt, I mean, I, how do you not look at this stuff and go, what the hell is going on here? Well, my fear I is that the, what the hell is going on? My here? fear is that the 30, 30 year olds feel like it's normal. I mean, that's the scary thing. Yeah. Very scary. You're, you're right. Yeah. You're at right. least our age, we, we get to see that this is, this is very screwed up on, on a number of levels. Look, I, I, I've seen it kind of, from my point of view, I saw it work its way, the censorship thing, work its way through the school system at the high school. It was, it was the anti-bullying movement turned into, the, into the, uh, uh, the best person in the world is a victim movement. It turned into the anti-free speech movement at, at college and they've aged now into, into 
into dot coms and 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 all all of that world. But it is uh it is it's a troublesome thing, certainly. It's very it's the end of freedom of speech. For God's sake, Thomas Jefferson, that racist pig, said if we are to choose between a society with no government and newspapers or a society with newspapers and no government, I will take the newspapers and no government. Now we have the newspapers, which are a pawn of the media billionaires and the newspapers, which are, and, and every, all of it is a pawn of the left-wing media and all of it is pawns of the so-called left-wing intelligentsia as if Stalin himself, Zastalina, was sending people who were disagreeing off to the labor camps in Kalima. You know, what's kind of fun though, is we, we got to be uh, counterculture in the last part of our lives. Who would have thought that? Well, that yeah, it's, that, but, I, but it isn't that great, because when I was young and being in the counterculture, you got to have uh, sex and drugs, frankly. With, we don't with get the girls that. at the, at the now, now, now you get Now I can promise you being part of the counterculture doesn't get you sex. We got to talk, Judah. But Ben Boychuk, I want to go to you because I, 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 I don't have children and Ben's got the youngest children on the panel of uh, the three of the, the, the rest the rest of you guys. And right. in the old days, I mean, the most awkward conversation a father probably could have or with their child was about the birds and the bees, Ben Boychuk. Now the conversations, I can't even imagine what you might be saying to your daughter about trans trans stuff i mean it's got to be awkward conversations it's it is akin to um king canute trying to command the tides if anybody oh that's that very reference. good that's very good very good very good very good which of course my children wouldn't know that reference sadly i mean i i took my daughter out to coffee this very afternoon and we were talking about of all things, uh, the environment. And I, I pointed out to her, I'm not sure, quite sure how we got on the topic, but I pointed out to her, I said, you have never in your lifetime experienced, and for people outside of Southern California listening to this, you, you have never in your lifetime experienced a first stage smog alert. Oh. She said, and she said, okay. what's smog? Oh my God. And I said, exactly. Congratulations on that. Wow. Right. Wow. And I had to explain to her what that wow. was and, and wow. how when I was, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I remember going to, to pool parties in the, you know, as a, as a youngster in the late seventies, early eighties, and my chest would hurt. And I said, you, you have never, I said, look out the window. And I said, you see all that gray? I said, you see those mountains past that gray? I said, you would not have seen those mountains 40 years ago. Absolutely right. Brilliantly put, Ben. Brilliantly yeah, and so, it, but the, can I say that that was also a nod to the leftist environmentalist movement of of the seventies? Yeah, yeah, but they, you know they something? Did, they did a lot of good. There's no doubt. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, liberal, I don't miss liberal, my not leftist. Liberal. I don't. Yeah, I don't miss my chest hurting that much, Ken. I mean, you know, they did some things right. It was, it the, was, it was absolutely. What I what I have a problem with is two things. One is that um, we, we have a generation coming of age or that has come of age believing that the, the planet is about to end. <laughs> but, but the other thing that I have a problem with in terms of contemporary environmental policy, I used to write it, I used to get into arguments all the time with a former liberal colleague of mine when I was an editorial writer down in Riverside. You know, we're, we are now arguing over um, such minute particle pollution 
you know, where it's like 10,000 particles. I mean, it's so small. Whereas before we were talking about, you know, kids who just hurt. I mean, people who were getting asthma from, I mean, we're really dealing with such a small slice of certain problems. And yeah, and interestingly enough, Ben Boychuk, the leading polluter in the world, the People's Republic of China, is still polluting at a fantastic rate. That's right. They're still building building fast coal-fired power plants. We don't do a thing about it. We just kiss their ass every time. (laughs) Right, right. And so I tried to, the point I tried to make to my daughter who will be uh, 13 in in May is that, You've been you have been taught a lot about, you know, problems in the environment and things that we need to do. But I can assure you that it was much, 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 much worse 40 years ago. And and they don't know that at all. And the same is true with um, all of the crazy sort of identity politics that we have now. The idea that this nation is more race. I mean, Ben Stein, for God's sake, you and I both know and you lived through more than I, you know, I lived through. A lot of it when, you know, when I was but a glint in my papa's eye. The idea that this country is more racist than it was even 50 years ago. Or even 10 years patent ago. absurdity. <laughs> well, even, it's yeah, more sure. racist than, Look, I think it's I more racist remember, than it was four years ago, though. I can li- vividly remember, vividly, and I, I am not that old. I, I, well, I guess I am old. But I can vividly remember, hard. vividly remember a president of the United States referring to black people as negras vividly. And that was Lyndon Johnson. Right. And that was Lyndon on a good day. John, and he was probably the most effective at getting a left-wing agenda for uh, the welfare state through that there's ever been. And by far the most effective in getting civil rights for African-American freedom fighters. And yet he called black people by that awful name. And that that's how it was. That, that's just how it was. It was a, it's a whole different world. Even when I was in elementary school and there was, there was already color TV. I used to, I used to have a teacher who called black people coons, a teacher in a public school. Can you, can you imagine that? I I think it's, I think we're sliding back a little bit though. I Um, agree with you a hundred percent. I think we've become more racist. And and look, I'll, I'll be interested. I'll be honest. I'm a little bit more racist. I mean, I, I used to be like, it's like, oh, you know, the only blacks I really saw were on TV and they were all doctors and, and things and everything was fine. I've never thought of myself more as a white person than I have in the past three years. I mean, three actually, weeks, in the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to actually, it's like, I never, I, it's like, I, I never kind of entered into the concept of, oh, I'm, I'm a white guy until, until, until white man became a an insult in in the you know in in the lexicon of 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 the left i mean i mean when people start bashing on you when you start seeing uh, you know when you start seeing that it's kind of open season and 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 literally white male is a pejorative among a big part of society it kind of makes you feel a little bit more like wow i i, I guess i guess i am one of these guys and i guess i have to look out for my own pick up the gun i never thought about male. until i was 48 <laughs> no, it's a Ben Boy. I mean, you guys all brought up great points. It's like we, we're the old counterculture. It, it, it's surreal. It's 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 like whoever thought the older you know past past forty five you become punk. Um, but that's we're what, not punk. We're we're not punk. We're Nazis. 
and, and that by just by being white and i'm jewish for christ's sake how can i be a nazi and and yet we we are nazis by virtue of being white although i guess there are plenty of people david duke i'm sure doesn't consider me white uh there are plenty of people but but, but many people consider me white. just by being white and uh that makes me a racist just by being white i look what i want to say to to people like mr biden and and mrs harris who's not black by the way that is the biggest lie in america is is i was beaten beaten with a police baton in my home state maryland on highway i believe it was on highway 50 in cambridge while i was in college when i was down there for a demonstration for black people to have equal accommodations i didn't see mrs harris around there i didn't see senator biden there senator biden was a senator for the neighboring state of delaware Believe me, I didn't see him there. He's the same age as I am. I didn't see him there. But somehow I have become a racist merely by the fact that I am still alive. And Ben, he's actually older than you. If you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Ben Stein. But the story of the day, one of my favorite stories of the day, is that Mr. Potato Head is no longer Mr. It is now Potato Head. The company has decided to... Drop the mister from the um, from the potato head, and uh, I don't know where more of a cliff you could jump off than than that. Um, but if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world according to Ben Stein. I didn't expect you to believe that story, Ben. Of all the stories I've told, that's the one you decided. No, I, believe, to just... I believe. I believe that there's not there's no amount of ass kissing to the uh, political police uh, than that, that I don't believe possible now. But I, want, I want to thank everybody that's participating in the chat. It's greatly appreciated. Remind everybody to go to the podcast. Uh, we're big. We're getting big in Romania and bigger than big in the Netherlands. And uh, we appreciate uh, all the listenership all across the world. Um, well, wait, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait yes. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ask this to Ben Boychuk, not me. It's all around the world hitting something in the Lolo's girl. Um, okay, on that note, welcome everybody back to the world according to Ben Stein. I have no idea, Ken LaCourt. That's from, but- gee whiz, that's from Dr. Dre. Have you no shame, <laughs> you racist pig? Um, yeah, that's no, cultural that, appropriation, that, that kind of music. Ken LaCourt runs LaCourt News, and you brought up a great uh, story. One of my favorite stories that you brought up yesterday was the, um, what they're trying, and Ben Boychuk has also brought this up, but uh, they're trying to get rid of uh, the networks, right? They're trying to cancel Fox. They're trying to cancel um, oh, wait, One American News. They're trying to cancel Newsmax, and they're trying to get the cable companies to cut, <laughs> literally cut the, cor- cut the cords. Let's you know. be clear, J- Judah, let's be clear. Who precisely is they yeah who is they judah uh democrats can congress 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 yes congress is trying to pass bills the way you guys said who is they i'm like god it's got to be the jews (laughs) 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 but it wasn't look it's terribly funny isn't it uh let me ask you this question if i may if i may is it do we not have a first amendment of the constitution which would forbid that look this is this is god you know, every week I find myself thinking that the guy last week was was a was a naive ass because the concept that we have elected officials who are now sending letters. And so here's what happened. We had two members of Congress, both Democratic members of Congress in California who need to go. 
send letters off to to uh, the majority of of large cable operators, basically doing the wink and nod. It's like, you know, how could you keep Fox News and these these hate mongering companies on your cable channel? I mean, it was a bunch of questions. But look, these are 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 people with political power who have the reins of federal power in their hand, and they're part of the majority now, that are basically, without, without too many winks and nods, threatening cable companies if they don't get rid of the three conservative networks on, on, on cable, Fox, the huge one, and two, two lesser ones. The Overton window has changed enough in America where that's a reasonable con concept and, a, and, and something that they actually had a discussion with without somebody saying, are you people all freaking retarded? This is so much against the first- Wait a minute, you're not allowed to say retarded. Well, Remso last, Remso last week said I could. You're not so, allowed, you're not so, allowed. I mean, I mean, these, it, it, it is as bad as it gets. You know, 20 years ago, we were like, well, you know, the, the, you know, the First Amendment really protects hardcore pornography and the guy in the gold wheelchair, Thank we got to take care of him. And now, yeah. And now it's, it's, it's a reasonable discussion to say, can mainstream news outlets be squashed and turned off? I mean, look, I know a lot of conservatives are mad at Fox these days because they call them too early and because they did this and that. Imagine America without Fox News. We'd, I know it's it's a terrifying thought. It's a terrifying, terrifying thought. Terrifying thought. So I, these people need to be, and, and I won't even say figuratively. They need to literally be driven out of town at the point of a of a pitchfork with people with tar and feathers after them. That absolutely, is, that absolutely is right. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's, it's ter These people must be so viciously stupid. It's incredible, and and, and I, I just frightened. It frightens me. That we have such stupid people in Congress. Although I will say again, as I've said many times, Mr. Nixon, the smartest guy there ever was in politics, said as to his Republican colleagues, they the great majority of Republican Congress men and those that are men uh, are not fit to be dog catchers. So I think as the Democrats, he would have said, are not fit to be something even worse. So Ken LaCourt, Ben Boychick, Ben Stein, you you all have you all have sites. Ben, you contribute obviously a lot for American Spectator. And Ken, you're constantly talking about action. What is the next step? Other, you know, we could go to Washington and literally drive these people out of town, but there's a lot of barbed wire uh, uh, across Washington right now. And they were all scared to I death. I have a home in Washington and they cannot get to it. And they were all scared to death. But what do we do about this? How the hell do we, I mean, like, because what we're talking about it, it again, if you so if you if you just woke up and you said Congress is trying to get rid of television networks, people would be like, like when I read a story and Ben doesn't believe it's the truth and makes me come out of the room and show him the truth, people would say you're lying. There, there, there's wait, not. There, there, wait, 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 just a, just a, one second. That was one story on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, it's Thursday, in which you made the incredibly racist and obviously false allegation that an African-American freedom fighter member of the Columbia faculty said and boasted that he was using heroin. So that was, uh, that was so obviously not true that it was comical. Ken LaCourt, I how do we fight back? Uh, look, I, I think we fight them on a number of factions. Uh, uh, one is, is we look at our resources and what do we have? 
Um, one of the look, we're not going to get as conservatives anything passed through the, through the Congress and 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 federal federal station for the next four years. That said, let's now go to let's. California has been a great example of what one state can do to change national law. California, for instance, has our own EPA guidelines that are that are more stringent than the federal's, and we force car manufacturers to 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 make cars that are that are acceptable into California. I think states like Florida and Montana and Idaho and and you know the places where normal people are running it need to start passing some laws. Don't go to Idaho. Do not go to Idaho. <clears throat> yes, especially not Sandpoint, especially right. where, where, yes. No. <laughs> um, I think we need to start writing on the state legislation to say, okay, we're, you know, pass laws there that will affect the, just like California did with, uh, with, with some of our privacy laws that then affected the national. They need to start bringing in some things like that. Look, I would personally be a believer. I'm not a big believer in Title VII and the whole concept of protected classes. But I also believe that that is part of our now is what, part of our. Are you sure you don't mean Title Eight? I think I mean. Is this about Eight. women in sports and schools? No, this is about various Title Nine, ben. various protected oh, classes that that you can't discriminate: sex, uh, uh, gender, whatever, religion. Oh, handicap, uh, uh, handicap, right, handicap, and, right, right. And 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 I think it's time for some states and and let's go ahead and and let's throw in if. If I can't be, if I can't fire you because you're of a certain religion, which I can't and I shouldn't, and I'm fine with that, maybe we shouldn't be able to fire you because you're a liberal or before because you're a conservative. And the concept of bringing in political beliefs as a protected class, okay, I'd be I'd be willing to to think about that. So that's that's some legal stuff. The other part is we as conservatives and and look, we got some rich guys on our side. We need to build up the the stack of technology uh, on the internet and on on cable. Rush did it on AM radio, Fox News did it on cable cable television, and we need some billionaires right. who are willing to say, okay, if Rushy. everything's going to be a Please, you're a liberal restaurant, you're a conservative restaurant, let's build up the methods of communication on the right and for conservatives, and that means everything from server farms. To to DNS registers, to to uh, uh, electronic uh, to to providers of of email, all of Silicon Valley needs to now have because they've weaponized every single part of that technical stack. What conservatives need to build up a conservative stack of of technology on the right to allow you to communicate. Ben Stein wants to know what DNS is or DSM. I want to know what a server farm is. That well, so so like racist. you know, all of this stuff is is on computers somewhere, uh, and it's streaming from that. These things all live somewhere, so that's the basic level of where do you save your website? Well, you think oh, that's pretty. That's not a big deal until you saw that Parler was shut down because Amazon was their web server, and a very complicated and convoluted one at that, and decide and gave them 24 hours to change their business model or get zapped. They need other people like that. The concept of, of, you know, we're on Zoom, which I don't know, it's owned by the Chinese or somebody at this point. I, I forget, I forget which, which commie owns, owns Zoom these days. China, somebody in China. Yeah. Uh, um, um, but all, all of the, the methods of communication are now being weaponized by the people who own that because it's a bunch of little, little uh, 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 Silicon Valley kids who are making $300,000 a year because they took computer ed in class. And, and we need to fight that back 
but but it's it's street by street it's restaurant by restaurant it's 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 literally server by server so all of that needs to be rebuilt i know I'm that's a little i know it's a little wonky but but that's, that's no it's it, it that's why you I call like to make a suggestion yeah mm-hmm. let's all take our clothes off right now <laughs> ben have you ever been to burning man no you should you should talk Ben Boychuk, I saw you raising your hand. All right, I, I want to make I, I'm gonna I'll make two quick points if I may, because I know the second one is going to raise Ben Stein's hackles. Uh, but the first point is a point that I've made many many times on this show before, but I need to make it again, and I'm going to make it again and again until it sinks into your your heads, uh, which is this: uh, if we have any hope, and it's and it's going to take it's going to take time. If we have any hope at all of, of retaking this country, it's going to require people, good people, decent, ordinary folk to get into politics. And by that, I mean, you're going to have to not just go to your local school board meeting or your local water board meeting or your local city council meeting. You're going to have to run for those offices. Because those offices, particularly in places like California, that is how the Democratic Party forms a bench. And it is from those, what you believe to be insignificant bodies, that they get candidates for state legislature and who go on to, you know, become city mayors and who go on to, in the case of Gavin Newsom, become governor of California. And so- Okay, what's the point you're gonna make me upset? The, the other point I think we need to, to do, and I, and, and I think this- I hope you're not gonna propose ending pornography. No, but I am gonna propose beating the, forgive me, beating the shit out of people with antitrust laws. Amazon- Antitrust laws? Yeah, and Amazon right now controls 83% of the retail book market. That's a fact. That's amazing. And so the other day, the, over the weekend, uh, Amazon removed a book by my friend Ryan Anderson called When Harry Becomes Sally, which was oh, published that's very by- funny. That's a very funny title. Well, it's that is about, a great title. It's about the trans phenomenon, and it was published in 2018 by Encounter Books, which is run by my friend and uh, uh, contributor to American Greatness, Roger Kimball. That's a, that's, that's a well-known and yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and uh, for reasons that have not been explained, that book has been it delisted be. from Amazon. Look, they and, it haven't not, said, it, it, and it was not a, a fire burning. No, people suck. It was a it was an honest Ryan, look at things. I, it was done with 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 respect towards all humans. I mean, Ryan Anderson is book. Ryan Anderson is the furthest thing from a fire breathing polemicist. That book. Oh, he. For God's sake. Yes, thank you. Um, And and so, so that book is gone. You cannot get that from Amazon. You can get it from Encounter, but you can't get it on Amazon anymore. And what Amazon, all Amazon has said is, we've upgraded our terms of service to say that we're not going to allow, um, we're not going to allow people who have who've published hate speech to sell their books on our platform. So why do you think that was going to rankle Ben Stein? I'm just curious. I mean, antitrust, man. I mean, you know, Amazon 
should be kneecapped and broken well, I, up. I'm very much in favor of antitrust. All right. Well, good. I I wasn't sure about that because I I know in the past I've said I'm we need to we need, to, we need to swing I'm, the hammer against big tech. Absolutely in favor of antitrust. I've said very, in the past, Ben, that we need to, to swing the hammer on big tech. And you're like, well, I'm not so sure no, about no, no, that. I'm very much in favor of strict enforcement of the Sherman and other acts. Well, let that, me read, let me read to you a quote from Amazon. This quote is in, in 2010, when they were under fire for having a book called The Pedophile's Guide to Love and Pleasure, A Child Lover's Code of Conduct. Wait, how does it go again? I'm kidding, uh, uh, so kidding. it was a, it was a, <laughs> they, they said Amazon believes it is censorship not to sell certain books simply because we or others believe their message is an objectionable. Amazon does not support or promote hatred or criminal acts. However, we do support the right of every individual to make their own purchasing decisions. Yeah. That was, that was in defense of a book that was like different than what you're describing. And we've come that far. I think you mean different from what we're describing. But <laughs> let me just say. Welcome to my world, everybody. Let me, let me just say, if I may, if you want to try to catch liberals in contradictions and embarrassments, uh, it's a full-time job. And an easy one. It's never ending. You see, here's the thing. You got Ben, ben Stein, you just brought up a great point. It's it's never ending, but because the obviousness of what they do is it 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 blows your mind. This this and the reason I brought up 1984 is they're watching themselves eat themselves because they're the ones that are getting canceled. They're the ones that are getting you know you look at what's going on with Cuomo. But you brought up a great point. It's like the other night NBC right had a show where a call I don't want to mention the name where they had an anti-Semitic trope on it. Obvious anti-Semitic trope. So NBC, funny, it, it, what? It was kind of funny, but go ahead. <laughs> Did you see I the show? So. They, said, um, they said Israel announced that they've, they've vaccinated half of their people. I, I'm guessing that it was the Jewish half. <laughs> No, I wasn't referring to SNL. I wasn't referring to SNL. Oh, okay. There were two out last week. Yeah, I was referring to one called Nurses, where they portrayed a a Hasidic family or Orthodox family that wouldn't take the the, a bone graft as they said on the show from a guy, from a non-Jew. And everybody that knows Jewish law knows that's not the case. Knows we, you know, when you're sick, you're whatever it is. And NBC finally decided to pull an episode, not the show, but an episode. And so, and when we, and when we see these things, these are the things we've said for so long, like you, it baffles your mind. Like, cause we know if it was us, if we know, I I was just waiting for my turn. We know it baffles your mind um, or boggles great game that if this, any of us were to do it, we'd be canceled in a heartbeat. You Wait, know, before we ask that, what was the name of the book again? Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, uh, when Harry became Sally. No, the one know, from no, 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 the, one, I, the Amazon. I, I respectfully book. say we're not going to have a hard time finding inconsistencies and untruths and the fraud, outright fraud, by anyone, by anyone anywhere. That's just the way. That's just the way human beings are. And the fact that Amazon mm-hmm. is a very large company is not going to stop them 
from doing bad things. And we we need a government that will enforce antitrust. That's absolutely true. And there is no free speech and freedom of market without without enforcement of antitrust. It is extremely important, and I, uh, it's really really important. You know, it's an odd thing. I, I, I find myself, I'm, I'm mere months away from my 50th birthday. And I oh, find happy birthday. I'm not in July. You can tell me again then. Oh, but, uh, but, you know, I, I, it's weird. For one thing, I find myself more of an ACLU liberal than ever before. Ooh. In the sense that, you know, m- much more of an absolutist. More so than even ACLU attorneys, apparently, because oh, there's one particular awful. attorney who is abs- just just a, 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 is practically Robespierre when it comes to uh, uh, transgender rights and and suppressing uh, um, speech that that uh, is offensive in that in that respect. But I also find myself thinking back 30 years or so to some of my Marxist professors in college who would write these long tracks and books about uh, the corporate control of media and what a damaging thing that could be. And thinking to myself, those Marxist bastards were right. And, and, you know, the, consu- you know, the, the, you know, the concentration of all of these companies in very, very few hands. And, and, you know, it, it, and you can see it and you, and you come to realize and I've known this for a long time, and I think a lot of people listening to this have known this for quite some time, which is the problem with um, whether it's big government, big tech, big business, big anything, isn't so much the noun as the adjective. It's the bigness of it. And the bigness of it is something that at least America's founders sort of understood, that something that was so big, so massive, so unaccountable, was a danger. And I, I am hopeful, but I'm, I'm not certain, but I'm hopeful that um, as the, you know, as our politics continues to realign, that people who haven't thought so much or cared so much about the greatness of the largeness, the bigness of private sector institutions may begin to come to understand that those great big institutions also need to be somehow accountable and that we just can't simply concede the idea that um, just because it's not the government doesn't mean that it's good. Tell me the book. So the, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> he's, by the way, he's referring to the Nambla book, not I'm the kidding about not that. the one. Yeah, of course, you're kidding. Child life or something became Sally. What? What? May I respectfully say it? Just as as an economist, I would say free market societies do not function anywhere near as well as they could if there are monopolies, and we sure. have a lot of monopolies now, and we would, we would be much better off if we did not have so many monopolies, especially in the field of communications where intersectionality tells us that monopolies in commerce are also leading to monopolies in speech, and that's really bad. That's a good line. That is a great line. And uh, by, the, by the way, I just wanted to bring up something quickly that, I, that we, you posted today because we're running out of time. Um, and I'm curious in the chat if anybody else has noticed this, the inflation that's going on. With ah, product. yes. You know, he a lot of people. Had, 
the laws of economics said forever that if you are producing a great deal of money in a society, if you're printing money, you're going to get inflation. And we were not getting inflation. Something seemed to be wrong with the laws of economics. Now we're starting to get significant inflation. And apparently it is not only going up, but it's the, the, tr the trend is accelerating. So that it's going up at an accelerating rate. And this is a very scary thing because if we're going to have serious inflation, along with serious unemployment because of COVID, uh, excuse me, there's going to be a fair amount of suffering and a really bad nightmare. If uh, prices are gonna go up, interest rates are gonna go up and we're, we're going to have a much higher interest rate burden on the national debt. And that's going to be a lot of burden for this country to be carrying considering how much the national debt has gone up in the last uh, recent years. Another story, but that nobody seems to be talking about. I would imagine uh, news reporters go to, you know, Kroger's or Ralph's or Pavilions or whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a diet ginger ale man myself, and uh, it's gone up $2 a case. I mean, it, it, $2 yeah, a case of it's soda. Am it's, am it's amazing. It's, it's, if it hits the way it's likely to hit, uh, it's going to require very substantial uh, pain and, and dislocation within the society. And it's funny because it was so readily predictable. Uh, I would say any- Yeah, but it's been economist... readly predictable for 10 years, hasn't it? Right. More than that. You're, quite, you're exactly yeah. right, Ken. It, so it, what, is, it, what is it going up to? And how much are the numbers really jumping? They're, they're not jumping that much yet, but the trend line is up. That's where okay. they were going up very, very slowly. Now they're going up a little more rapidly and, and re very recently considerably more rapidly, especially in terms of food and commodities. Because okay, I recently looked at the energy at the, commodities. I really recently looked at the San Bernardino County, don't ask, uh, 12 month CPI increase was 1.8%. Yeah, but it's going up much faster than that now. That's a very low rate. It's a, I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression that the rate is approaching three, between three and 4%. That is a, a very large difference. It's, it doesn't seem like much, no, but no, it's an enormous it difference. Yeah. I mean, Ken, you're a wine connoisseur, you're, you're, or you have a head or a drinker. Uh, Dude, this you, came uh, out of a box. I'm a drinker, not a Have you noticed any, have, you haven't noticed any increase in what you've been buying or Ben Boychuk? Like coffee's gone up by $3 a bag. How I mean, dare yeah. you impute to me data. that I'm- we, sir, sir, we have data. We don't, we don't get results at the basis. Our, our conversation on anecdote, we have, we have data. And the data is telling us that inflation the data. is increasing. The inflation is increasing. And, it's a, and it, as I say, it, it, if in fact it turns out not to be increasing, uh, great, but, but it would be unheard of. It, what's happened so far is unheard of. That to have this level of monetary creation with no effect on inflation is unheard of. It's just- Ben Stein. Ben Stein, I think that we should all just embrace modern monetary theory and pretend none of this is happening. Well, but <laughs> modern monetary theory uh, sa says that nothing happens. Monetary theory is essentially nihilism. It says that nothing matters, right? Well, you just do anything you effing feel like. Why can't we just put our hands over our ears and say, nah, 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 and, and just <laughs> pretend that none of this is happening at all? I mean, it seems well, to me that's, 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 that's a viable solution, don't that's you think? That's sort of what we've been doing. That, well, maybe that, we that, should keep we'll doing that. I mean, historically, if we play games, with basic economic principles, uh, we we have bad results. Now, could you remind could could you remind our Lithuanian audience what your father famously said? 
if a, if a thing cannot go on forever, it will stop. And I think this is that what you're referring to? Exactly. Yeah, the I, I mean, this which, idea yeah. of extraordinary monetary creation with no effect on prices, uh, if that cannot go on forever, it will stop. And there's never been a time when there's been extraordinary monetary creation when there wasn't serious inflation, except during World War II, when there were very strict price controls. And then when the price controls were lifted, we had an explosion of prices after 1945. So uh, it's going to be, uh, we will see. We'll, When's the we'll last see. time I, we've I, had I, inflation we'll above 6% in America? I'm sorry? When is the last time that we've had inflation above 6%? I don't know, but we had in the late 70s and early 80s, 80s yeah. it was in the, uh, the twin in the teens. It was in the yeah, teens. And then, and then and then Reagan came in and, and and then all the politicians realized that you can never get reelected if there's high inflation. Well, then they put the screws on monetary creation and we had a very serious painful adjustment in terms of recession and unemployment. We had what was called the misery index which is a combination of the unemployment rate plus the inflation rate. And it was a very, very high index number. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that since the early and mid eighties. Uh, if we have that kind of number again, I think Mr. Uh, Biden is gonna have to uh, disappear and the replacement hologram is gonna come up. Um, <laughs> ben, we're running out of it's time. It's gonna be an Indian one, chick. There's one, really, there's one really important thing I want you to tell people tonight because a lot of every, at the end of every episode, I decided I want you to, because a lot of people don't know about certain things, Ben, you've, you know a lot. And, um, kind you know, there's one, there's one fact that, that I find very interesting that I was just thinking about as we were having this conversation is that most people don't realize that the airline seats used to be fixed pricing. Oh yeah, very fixed pricing, and, and it was great because uh, for those. If you could explain, just explain what happened, what that they, means. They, and they what... were deregulated, and uh, the prices went way, way, way down. And but the airlines got very crowded, and instead of being a spacious, pleasant way to travel, it became a crowded zoo. But it, it used to be greyhound in the sky, basically. Yeah, exactly. Right, but Ben, it used to be that seats were priced, right? They were priced that the company could make money. Right, 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 right. They're priced that the company could make money, even if the flight was barely full at all. And and I must say, as a person who in those days could afford to fly, no matter what the price was, uh, it was great. And on that note, that's, uh, I think that's a very interesting uh, factoid. The more you know, we've learned a lot of the more you knows tonight. Uh, we learned uh, about Ben Boychuk. Say the name of your friend's book and where they could find it, because I think it's important. It's called When Harry Became Sally. It was published in 2018 by Encounter Books. And if you want to buy it, if you don't have it already, you're going to have to go to EncounterBooks.com and please do. Um, I want to thank Ken LaCour from Media Action Network and LaCour News. Tell people where they can find you, Ken, because you were back. We here. actually promoted that book uh, this week, as well as some, uh, you can't get it online at Barnes and Nobles, but some Barnes and Nobles have it still in their, in their store. So if you put in, in your thing, but that's what we do. Go to mediaactionnetwork.com. Uh, and and every, every day we got some way for you to kick back at those sons of bitches. <laughs> and of course you can find Ben Boychik at AM Greatness and BB Oychik 3 
on Parlor. Welcome back, everybody, to Parlor and from Parlor. Um, ben, you're not on it, right? Right? You're not using it, but of course, I've had, a, I've had a hell of a time getting on there. So yeah. they still got course, some glitches to work out. Yeah, let's go, and we'll ride the glitches out. And of course, the show wouldn't be possible with at Ben Stein on Parlor. You can find him at American Spectators, Spectator.org. He's America's humble servant, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. You wanted to take us out with a song tonight, so. Um, you you remember the song you you wanted me to? Oh oh yes, I'm the great pretender, pretending that I'm doing well. My need is such, I pretend too much. I'm lonely, but no one can tell. Pretending that I'm doing well. Good night, everybody, and have fun. Good night, everybody. Have a great Cheers. night. We will see you all Saturday night. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.